guys for being here. Um, and we're really excited about this. I had asked Dwayne if um, Jane could come and share a little bit, just because the topic of this class is so perfect mm -hmm. for what we do. And the stories of forgiveness are so very powerful. And I know you guys sometimes get to hear me speak sometimes, but it's such a gift to have Jane here with us. Um, so thank you for giving up the class time and letting us be here. So I'll just give a little bit of a background and introduce Jane, and then um, I'll, it'll kind of be an, an interview type of um, situation, but, but the words that you hear from Jane are really going to be the ones that stick with you, which is why you're here, I'm sure. Um, so a little bit about Exile International. Most of you know, but just a little bit of background. Our focus is holistic rehabilitation and art and expressive therapy with child survivors of war, and so that's um, child soldiers, rescue child soldiers, and then also children who've been orphaned by war, children who've been in captivity. Starting in 2008, um, globally we work with um, kids in Uganda and also in Congo, but our journey started um, 2010, I think. So I founded Exile in 2008, and um, really with the vision never to have a big exile international sign overseas. Mm -hmm. So I started praying for God to connect <coughs> me with local leaders who were just as passionate as I was um, with seeing children healed and rehabilitated. And not just healed, but also empowered to become peacemakers in their countries. Which is a really small niche. So I was like, how am I going to connect with those on the ground who really share the same passion and vision? Um, and I'd watched a film called Children of War, and I would recommend everyone to watch that film, um, and was connected to the producer of that film, and Jane was in the film. So um, Jane had worked at a rehabilitation center called the Rock Kelly Rehabilitation Center. And at the time of the war, and I don't know if you know a lot about the LRA war, but um, there were, it, it lasted for over 20 years, and Jane had volunteered at a rehabilitation center during the heat of the war when the kids were coming out of the bush and being rescued, literally coming to the rehabilitation center on the back of pickup trucks, being rescued, um, and Jane, along with the staff there, they were providing counseling and healing and rehabilitation. So when we met, uh, God had put a vision on Jane's heart for an organization called Children of Peace. Mm -hmm. And it was just really in the thought stages. Um, and God had put a clear vision on my heart of peace clubs, mm -hmm. where the kids would come together in groups and be led through a curricula-based model that was trauma healing and peace building and leadership. So then the kids, when they were, when they were grown and then when they were um, graduated the program, they would be peace leaders in those countries. So we just started completing each other's sentences and talking <laughs> nonstop and dreaming together. Um, and fast forward, it's a reality on the ground. And there are um, somewhere between 600 and 1,000 kids who are in these peace clubs now. And it's branched out of peace clubs. Now they're also in school and they're receiving education. And Jane can, can tell you a lot more about the work on the ground because she's there every day. And we say a lot that, you know, sometimes we 
get praised because we're doing these awesome things and really we're not. Like these are our heroes on the ground um, who sacrificed so very much. Um, so this is Jane. It's a great picture. Isn't that great? <laughs> and in the background, that's the office, Children of Peace Uganda. Um, so Jane, why don't you start maybe, these are, this is a picture of the Peace Clubs here. Mm -hmm. and, and first of all, welcome. I told her she looks like an African queen. <laughs> she really is an African queen. So do you want to share about the work on the ground, about the Peace Clubs, trans the transformation you see in the, in the kids there? Mm -hmm. Hi, everyone, and welcome. It is great meeting all of you. Um, well, where do I start from? <laughs> OK, it is uh, definitely, I believe it was uh, divinely planned that we meet with my sister and mm -hmm. Matayo. They do definitely great work that helps us to achieve so much on the ground. So the work we do on the ground, like she has already stated, we work with the children who are former child soldiers, the children born of rape to our girls who are given up to our sex slaves, and the children orphaned by war. And um, one of the major activities that we do is the psychosocial support and peace building, which we do through the peace clubs. And we use creative arts. We found that very, very powerful in uh, listing information from the children that helps us to help them. You know, the children who are highly traumatized that they can't tell you what happened to them. We work with the children who have been forced to kill their own parents, mm -hmm. children who have white siblings being killed, children who have you talk to a child and it tells you, I remember a minimum of about 47 people that I was forced to kill. Mm -hmm. And you are talking to 11 year old and you know, yeah. it's that grave, but it's so amazing how they get restored, you know, through the work <laughs> of the peace clubs. And above all, we teach them the word of God. We do counsel in God's way. And we pray with them, we teach them to pray for themselves. And it's so amazing to see all these little ones. Number of times when we meet them, a child doesn't want to talk to you. You know, they just keep quiet. They don't trust an adult. Mm -hmm. And they're lost in pain. But you know, after three months, they are able to start dancing. And they are, they, when we put them back in school, they are able to start. You, you see them, you see a child becoming a child, you know, just before your own eyes. So the work definitely is great. And we are so grateful to all of you for your prayers, for you. That's the work that we are doing together with all of you on the ground. And um, yeah, so this is one of the peace clubs uh, that we have. And we take them through, you want me to go to that? Sure. OK. Uh, in the peace clubs, we do, number one is what we call the emotional strength building, making them to accept the reality of the matter. Actually, my mother was killed in my own presence. Actually, I participated in killing this number of people. Actually, um, I'm living alone because both my parents were killed. Mm -hmm. So once they accept that, then they get to realize there's need to heal. Okay, there's need to come out of this. So then the next thing that we teach them is forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Forgive themselves and to forgive the people who have hurt them that much, okay? And I'll give an example of the girl, Dillis. I don't know if we can go to, mm -hmm. go to that. Uh, Dillis, okay, go a bit behind. 
Delis is one of the little girls at the age of eight. Uh, Delis's father was, the rebels stormed in, uh, actually we're living in an IDP camp, in people's, internally people, displaced people's camp. So that particular day she told me they had gone home, like to get food. And then the father, their father said, I think today the rebels may not come, let's sleep home. And the rebels come in the night. And he was, they abducted her, plus her mother and a baby, plus one of her uh, brothers. So the father refused to come out of the house. He was like, whether I come out of the house or I don't come, you will still kill me, so I'm not leaving, you know. Mm -hmm. So they just locked the door from outside and touched the house, and mm -hmm. they oh, took wow. her with the mother. Mm -hmm. When they reached on the way, her, her older brother, who was about 10, was shot dead in her own presence. The mother was killed in her own presence. And it's amazing the, the power of forgiveness, how he has set this girl free. And she leads a household. She has been doing that since she was about 10 years. She, was, she had three other siblings, okay? And all of them were not in school till the exile team came in and helped us put them back in school. And um, this is one of the little sisters. This one, by the time the parents were killed, she was only two years old. She's called Lydia. And Lydia had never been to school till the exile, the sponsorship through exile helped us put them back in school. But the amazing thing about the forgiveness is uh, we, we had to take them because unless they accept forgive, the healing cannot take place, okay? And we cannot raise children, we cannot raise people who are angry, who are bitter, who are holding unforgiveness. Because then, number one, that's going to destroy them physically. Their health will begin to break down. Because our God designed a human being, our hearts are not designed for hatred. Our hearts are designed to love because God is love. Okay? Mm -hmm. And that's the reason when you hold on bitterness, somebody holds on forgiveness, your health begins to break down. Whether you like it or not, you know, soon somebody run into depression because our bodies were not designed by God to hold on, you know, bitterness. And Dillis, I remember she said, um, I have to forgive because she had already understood why she should forgive, okay? And so one of the things that God requires for us and is the only way one can release themselves from pain. And when they hold on unforgiveness, they're, they're still letting the other person who had them to have control over them, okay? And that's not okay because it impedes the ability to interact well with the people. They cannot uh, concentrate in their education as children and their health, of course, begins to break down. So that's not okay for them. So she said, even if I don't forgive these people, it won't bring back my mother and my father and my brother. And more so, it's going to destroy me. And number three, God expects me to forgive them because he knows it benefits me, okay? And I just looked at this little girl, I'm like, oh my God. You know, some of them even, the stories overwhelmed me. And she was ready after going through the class on forgiveness. And honestly, when she decided that, I realized her grades in school began to improve. Mm -hmm. Dillis began to go to play, you know, with other children. And there are so many thousands of them like Dillis. We have children who know, who come and tell me, all of them call Mama Jane, says, you see that boy walking there? He was one of the people who killed my father. Mm -hmm. And they know it. So we have to bridge that gap, okay? And help them to reconcile through forgiveness. And then next time you see them playing soccer together, you see them going to the peace clubs together and they're holding their hands and praying. I remember there was a special case about that. It was Dennis and then after about eight months of taking them through the forgiveness process, 
both children came. There were about four of them in the program and in the same school. And they came together one day to me and they said, we want, Mami Jen, we want to take a picture together. It was one of the beautiful moments that we really have. And you see the children becoming, children coming alive. And that's the power of forgiveness, okay? So look at all of them. All these ones were former child soldiers. Um, they're so beautiful. They receive themselves back. They get themselves back, mm -hmm. you know, and you can see them smile again. And yet a number of times when we first meet them, they can't even talk to you. They don't want to talk to anybody. They don't trust anyone. And that's the power of forgiveness. Mm -hmm. So the simple steps that have worked for us in the forgiveness process, um, because some of them say, okay, I have understood why I should forgive. Forgiveness benefits the survivor. Over 90% of forgiveness benefits the survivor. It's not about the perpetrator. Okay. And I know now today I understand it even better. That's why God is asking us to forgive because it benefits us. We have been hurt so much. The children have been hurt so much. And he's concerned about us. Okay. And uh, so what we do is, one, uh, the simple steps may not work for all of us, but they have worked for others. So it may work for you. It may work for the people who are under you, the children, and so many other people that may come your way. So what we do is make them understand why forgive, okay? And once they've understood that, then we teach them to begin to desire to forgive. If I forgive so-and-so, then my health is going to improve. It's going to protect me, you know, from breaking down. It's going to improve my relationship with other people and God. And it's going to help me in the work that I do. And then the next step that, so when they begin to think about that, then we tell them to decide to forgive. I am going to forgive so and so because number one, that's what God expects of me. Number two, it's going to benefit me, you know. And uh, number three, it will improve my relationship with other people. And so when they decide to forgive, I am going to forgive that person. Then we tell them to begin to practice to forgive. Okay. We have always said if it is a, a family member, we encourage them to reach the person. If the relationship was already broken, if there was no communication, they can just send a short message, say, to the mother, say, hey, mom, I just wanted to check on you. We always advise them to keep the message short, you know, and do not expect a positive response from the other side. If a positive response comes, that's okay. If it doesn't come, remember, it's about you, not the perpetrator, okay? So once they do that, um, where we come from, there are not so many telephones, but we can ask them why the person can go there. We just reach them and greet them. They might greet them and they don't even reply. That is okay. And remember, forgiveness is a process. It's not a one day. But the faster, the better for you. Okay. So usually when we begin to talk about, when they begin to practice forgiveness, it doesn't come from, not from the heart. Let it come from the mouth. That's still okay. Remember, the Word of God tells us that uh, confession brings possession, okay? So once the mouth begins to confess it, your heart will begin to respond because mm -hmm. it's the Word of God that says confession brings possession. So we tell them, begin to confess about it. And we tell them sometimes they don't even want to mention the name of the person who hurt them, and that's okay. That is okay. Okay, so if it was even a mother, we can, you can say, okay, I forgive that woman. That's still okay. The next time you can say, if it's about four, five, six times, then you say, I forgive my mother. No. If it is the people like Joseph Cohn who has had these children so much, they say, I forgive that man. 
but we still encourage them at some point to mention the name of the person. And sometimes they can break down and cry a lot. That is okay. That's forgiveness. That's the bitterness that's coming out of our hearts. Okay. And when do we then, and we really encourage them to do that again and again to the extent that when they mention the name of this person or hear the name of that person being mentioned or being called, the same name being mentioned, whether it is not the right, same person, they don't get that angry. Because I know probably some of us have been hurt in one or the other. Sometimes you, when somebody hurts you, you don't even want to hear that name again. That is okay. It's a natural reaction, you know, because you have been hurt. But then we have to get that out of you. We have to get that out of the children. Because we, besides all you know, the benefits to them, we also want to prevent revenge. You know? And that's the reason when you research a little about the suicide bombers, you find that somebody must have been injured you know, emotionally when they were little. Mm -hmm. And the day when they decide to revenge, they will not even look for the person who hurt them. They go blow themselves in a supermarket, in a plane. Who of those people hurt them? And that's what we want to prevent. Today, the world has become a global village. You can reach Uganda anytime within less than a minute. And that means we are becoming almost a global family. So whatever, it may be very far from the other side, but when that person decides to jump in a plane and blow up a plane, you don't know who is going to be there. Okay? So that's one of the things we want to prevent. And we do not want these children growing up and say, my father was killed, people did not protect him. I am going to teach them a lesson. That's not going to help. So up to when do we take revenge again and again? Those are all more losses. And that's why we talk so much and teach the children to forgive others and also forgive themselves. Because I talk to some of these children and say, my father had told me not to sleep in the house that day. If I didn't sleep in the house, I wouldn't have been abducted by the rebels. So it's my fault, you know. We tell them, if you knew the rebels were going <coughs> to kidnap you that night, could you have slept in the house? He said, no, I couldn't. I said, okay, it wasn't your mistake. You didn't know. What could you have done? Your only child. So once they begin to see that, then they're able to forgive themselves for the wrongs that they think they committed. I talked to a nine-year-old who had been forced to kill his mother, and he's telling me, say, mom, I killed my mother. That's what I'm talking about. Okay? I told him that is correct. So I asked him, I said, if I said any person, any person at random before you now to kill, would you do that? Say no. I can't kill. I said, that is it. You did not choose to kill your mother. Somebody stood behind you with a gun and forced you to do this. And I know what the Bible talks about this. That whoever makes a child to commit sin, should have been better. That a milestone is tied around their necks and they're dropped in the depths of the sea. Okay? That's how God looks at you. They will look back and a lot of times they cry. But then that helps them to realize it wasn't they are making somebody forced them and usually they feel God is holding them responsible for the atrocities they have committed and that does not help them to heal okay till they realize that just saying God forgive me God is a merciful God forgive me for all the trust that I could have committed the ones I know and the ones I do not know with or without my will and that's more than enough for God to forgive them and with that they get to know God loves them the way they are and still accepts them and does not hold them responsible for atrocities committed, and you see a child beginning to brighten up, okay? So, counseling God's way that we do helps so much in the recovery process of these children. And we see them very passionate about teaching the word of God to other children, and it's amazing, yeah. So then, lastly, we, 
we tell them that how does one realize that I have actually forgiven somebody? When you still remember what happened, because they will always remember, we will always remember the bad thing and the good things that happened to us. And don't feel the strong pain. That pain is off. When you talk about what happened and they don't break down, when they hear the names of the people who've had them this much and the pain does not rush in their hearts, it means they've been able to forgive, okay? So usually we do a simple game, what we call the snake bite. In Africa, there are lots of snakes. I've not seen any here. When we are going to fetch water, when we're going to collect firewood for cooking, we meet them on the way. They can come, they compound. Of course, there are so many other animals, but uh, we were always cautioned about snakes. And um, so with the children, we know that they know about snakes. So we ask them, what really harms a person or even kills a person? Is it a snake bite? or the venom? And I give you the same question. What do we think? The venom. The venom. Anyone a different idea? It's the venom. Okay. Now, the snake bite is the traumatic event that happened. Okay. It hit. But that traumatic event injected a venom, injected poison in the hearts and the minds and the bodies of the children. And because it is the venom that kills, we have to extract it out. And that's why somebody is taken to the hospital. Usually they don't even treat the snake bite because sometimes it's a very small thing. But what has gone in the person, the anger, which turns into bitterness, which eventually when it is not released, becomes unforgiveness, is what destroys the person. And that's what we have to get out. Okay? And that's why we teach them forgiveness. Yeah. So that the venom does not destroy them, which is the anger, which is the bitterness, which is unforgiveness. Yeah. So Jane, I have a question. You'll see, um, really, you have two groups of kids after they're abducted, after they've been severely traumatized. Um, one group often will go back to the rebel group, and in time, they'll grow up to be a rebel leader. And then you have kids who are able to receive healing, um, and they have a very different path. So, so talk to us about the kids that you've seen that haven't received trauma healing, that haven't received um, the Peace Club healing, and, and how has their path been different than the other kids? Their paths definitely have been extremely different. Um, I counseled the three boys later, who they were later brought to us, who, who because of the stigma, because they are highly stigmatized in the communities, and that's one of the things we are handling. You know, the name calling, they are called rebels, they are called the girls, especially it's even a double tragedy for the girl child because they have returned with these children whose biological fathers are the rebel commanders. So they are called the wives of the rebels, the children are called rebels. You know, the community, better part of the community still looks at them through the that trust is committed by their biological fathers, and then the children are completely innocent. So these boys were being called rebels. One was 14, 15, and then the other one I think was 17. They actually murdered some old woman, okay? Mm -hmm. And the reason is because they had not gone through counseling, nor how to handle um, the situation. And most of them who have not gone through the peace clubs and the counseling become really violent in the community, yeah. So the peace clubs really, really help a lot because we help, like I said, in the emotional strength building, the forgiveness aspect of it, and then we help them to know how to live, to know somebody is going to name call them, 
but they are not that, you know. How does God look at them? God looks at them the same way before they were abducted, they are still the same. They're as precious as any other child in the world, you know. And so these ones who have gone through <coughs> counseling, God knowing even if somebody's going to say, hmm, let them talk, I know that God loves me. I know that I'm as precious as any other child or any other youth in any part of the world. Mm -hmm. And that helps a lot, and that makes a huge difference, mm -hmm. yeah. And so after the, the second kind of phase of the Peace Club model, the group model, after they've gone through trauma healing, is peace building. Um, mm -hmm. And so Jane, talk a little bit about how they're able to become peacemakers after they've gone through the trauma healing. And let's say we just started with peace building and, we, and then we later worried about trauma healing. Mm -hmm. would, would that work or do you feel like they're able to become peacemakers because they've gone through that journey of forgiveness? Yeah, they're able to become peacemakers because honestly, we give out what we have, okay? If I ask for, 10 cups of tea and you have only one, you can only give me one. So what is the inside them is what they give out. So we believe peace begins from an individual, begins from within the person, and then it's given to the people around them, and then it goes, you know, and overspills to the world. So the children, once they have the peace within them, they give out the same to the community. We have seen them uh, lead the peace clubs on their own, we have seen them talk about the beauty of peace. We have seen them say, I want to become a lawyer because I don't want another child to go through what I have gone through, mm -hmm. okay? I want to advocate for the children. Uh, we've seen them say, for me, I want to be a teacher. When children come to school, I want all children to be, you know, to be loved, you know? So we see that so much in them. We have um, part of the staff that we work with, our finance and admin officer was one of the girls that I took through counseling at a rehabilitation center, and now she works with her, and she's extremely passionate about seeing the healing of others. And Rebecca, she's, she's amazing. And uh, we've seen so many of them. We have Dennis, who is number two in the group. He composes songs on peace building. You know, he has very beautiful songs in the street, and so many of them. Mm -hmm. And we see them because they know the pain they've gone through. And I, taking them through the counseling process, through the peace clubs, they say, they want, they, they know what it should be, what they want, and that's exactly what they want for others. You know, it's so beautiful. And yeah. I think that's one thing, were you gonna say something? Yeah, well, just because you said that, but Dennis, a good question. So Dennis, the second one from the right, yeah. the tallest young man on the right, I remember about a year after he entered the program, when we were visiting him at his school, actually, I think right around the corner, I think mm. it was the same building, I remember where we were sitting, and he was just telling me an update on the year. And he was telling me how he was now using those same lessons in the program that the Peace mm -hmm. Clubs are doing. He's like, hey, I was able to help these two kids reconcile. And mm -hmm. he was like, you know, hey, you know the snake bite story? I was able to help share that with someone else, you know, so they could find healing, which is awesome to mm -hmm. hear. Mm -hmm. It's not just something that's helping them, but they're passing mm -hmm. it forward. Yep. They are becoming peacemakers. And I mm -hmm. think, you know, we get a lot of questions whenever people hear the amount of trauma that the kids have gone through, even killing their own family members, which is something that is hard to even put in your head because really we don't have a place for that. But, and, and people ask like, can they really be rehabilitated? Is that kind of something you're just saying or is it really happening? And it's happening. And I think one of, one of the keys is that they're able to imagine 
God using their pain for purpose. So when we use the, the term young peacemaker, when we use the term peace ambassador, they're able to see themselves not as a former child soldier, not mm -hmm. as a sex slave. They're able to see themselves as a peacemaker that God has a plan to use them to change their country. And something shifts in their head because it's not just that, oh, I can learn to forgive. Oh, I can be a survivor of war. It's God can use this horrible thing that happened to me to change my nation. It's really mind-blowing, but they grasp that, and so they feel like, like Jane was talking about, they are important and they have purpose. Um, and I think that's important even with our own forgiveness stories and thinking about how can God use this awful, horrible thing that happened to me for good one day, for his glory, for his purpose, and it shifts really the trajectory of how you look at your own pain a little bit. I would imagine that on a visceral level, they're able to understand the pain of Christ and to participate in his pain, knowing that he has participated in it. Mm. Yeah. You know, to mm. bring healing. Wow. That would be so powerful. Mm -hmm. That's true. Now, outside of the peace part, when they go into the community <coughs> and just be themselves, how are they perceived? The people in the Peace Club, when they, I mean, are, do they still have to fight with the, being an outsider for, you know, especially if they were the ones who had to commit these murders mm -hmm. on their families? Are they kind of embraced now that they're seeing what Jesus or this thing about faith does that changes people? Or are they still kind of a hands away, you know, these people are dangerous? How are they viewed within the community? Mm. The community is still not very receptive. And that's why we had to begin with the children, to give them the strength that they need to live in that community. And with the hope that through Christ we can do all things, mm -hmm. that one day the community will begin to understand. And we begin to see that. Okay. So we, we begin to see the community begin to, to appreciate the children. And that's why we do, like the creative arts, we do it through so many things. The times when they go for, they, they play soccer in the villages. They, the children do presentations if there are some village meetings and the, the different um, occasions in the community, in the district. So we make them do presentations and people begin to appreciate. Mm. We were thinking they were like this. Can you imagine what they're doing? That is so good, you know. And then also what some of the activities that they do, we encourage them to identify a need in a community. Maybe there's an elderly woman or an elderly man who lives alone. So they can go clean up for them. They can go, they were building a small hut. In one of the villages, they went and built a small hut for an elderly woman. And the word went round and round. They say, hey, those children, they're the ones who built for that old woman. Sometimes they go and do anything, you know, in the community. That's really helpful. And that, uh, that is helping a lot, yeah, for people to see. And I will see. say, mm -hmm. Jane and her team, they work really closely with the local leaders in the community, mm -hmm. which has made a huge difference. Mm -hmm. So they don't just kind of go in and have the Peace Club. They, they educate the leaders of the community, what's happening, why we're doing this. Um, and so it, it helps build the respect up which is really important to you. Yeah, one of them we've done through what we call the community peace dialogues. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, we, we targeted the traditional, the cultural leaders, the religious leaders in those communities, and the opinion leaders, you know. We, we went to them and asked them if, um, 
these atrocities definitely were committed in their own communities, and some of their children were, were victims of these, their families. And we asked them, okay, traditionally we know that we took care of the young, the children in our own communities, the widows and all that, so where are we now? Can we rediscover ourselves, you know? What about the church if we teach about love? What does that mean, you know? Can we go back and recite the scriptures? Loving, when we have children living in that, in that household and they're living alone without parents, mm -hmm. what would Christ tell us about that? Mm -hmm. So when we went, I remember one of the elders stood up and said, my daughter, thank you for reminding us our responsibility, mm -hmm. okay? And we found that the church had begun talking about, we said, okay, whether you're preaching in the mosque or in the church, can you include in your sermon what Christ would have done to those children mm -hmm. if he was walking on the, our streets today? And remember, we are representing Christ. We are the ambassadors of Christ Jesus on this planet. Mm -hmm. What we're going to do. And that has made a very great difference. And we still continue. We also do radio programs on the same where we have the children come to speak mm -hmm. and what they would want uh, done to them. And what they would do, we tell them, if you are an adult, what would you do to another child? And the children speak. Because we want them to speak to the adults. You know, and it is really helping a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So a peace club begins, and is it sort of like um, a graduating class? In other words, do they all move through together, or are there always being new victims being introduced to a group that's already in progress? Yeah, that's a great question. The reason, the reason I ask is, mm. you know, Matthew mentioned something about the, the tall young man who, who began sort of sharing those mm -hmm. lessons with other people. Mm -hmm. And to me, that would be like a really... I don't know, just such a powerful part of the program to see them start helping younger ones. Right. Mm. I would yeah, that. and we see that. So we even, um, <coughs> there are some, I think, and Jane mentioned this, their, their goal is to graduate to come back and to help, yeah. which is so powerful. Um, so yes, the, the, one of the challenges we have are there are children who are walking miles and miles to get to the Peace Club. And so it's hard to contain them because you have so many kids who need this. Um, but there are, there is a graduating class. So we have that three-tier curriculum model that we talked about with um, an, a program called the Empower Program, which is a trauma healing program, and then a young peacemaker program, and then a leadership program. So they walk through those curricula. Um, and by the time they graduate school and they launch, into their job, whatever that is, they have all the skills necessary to recreate another peace club on their own. Um, and we've seen that happening kind of organically. Um, and six six um, different <coughs> peace club leaders that are graduates of the program right now. Mm -hmm. um, that's in Congo uh, specifically. And in Uganda, like I, I meant to put the picture of Catherine mm -hmm. in there. I know there's more than one Catherine, but it's a specific Catherine in my mm -hmm. mind. Is, you know, she, though she's still in school, she's now a leader within the Peace Club itself. So yep. whenever the counselor shows up, it's not just her. She now has a right-hand gal. Mm -hmm. Sorry to say right-hand man. She has a right-hand gal to help lead that. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that also generates more hope for the children when they start seeing, okay, this isn't just a vision. This, is, this yeah. isn't just an idea. This is someone who's already walked this ahead of me, and they're doing it. And so you start seeing that influence. Um, so often when, when the leaders of the Peace Club get there on Saturdays and Sundays, mm -hmm. 
the kids are ready to perform their dramas and dances and songs that they have already written yeah. in between peace clubs. Mm. So it's not like the team is like teaching them all of these songs. They're writing mm -hmm. them themselves. They're doing the dramas themselves. They're creating poems and spoken words all themselves. And you can see the leaders are rising up to help the other kids through that during the week, which is amazing. Mm. It's OK. You had something to say. Does the, does the concept of peace, I, I think I thank you for giving a good idea of how it extends within a community. <coughs> how do you deal with the fact that there were warring, there were rebels to begin with, and there were, you know, there were at least another side to begin with? Can you forgive at that level? Can you forgive the rebel leaders who recruit? Do you, do you talk about that? Yeah, we do. And that's why we talk about forgiving themselves and forgiving the people who have hurt them so much. That includes the rebel leaders themselves. Coney, the yeah. Yeah, Coney himself, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They do that. They do are that. They, are they mm -hmm. still at odds with each other? And how, how do you forgive? Well, usually they're not going to ever meet that commander, you know. Um, that commander of that rebel army, that child's probably never going to get a chance to see that mm. child. But what was beautiful, I think it might have been Dillis um, one time, uh, we were actually discussing this, and it was like, you know, somehow it got brought up. It's like, what if uh, Joseph Coney, like the lead commander, the guy who's leading them, what, if, what, would, what would you say to him? And she said, I would say to him to come back so that we can forgive him. Mm. And you're just like, Say what? <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't prompted. Uh, that's that out of the mouth of a child. And like this child is teaching me the gospel. Mm -hmm. It's like how how can you say that? And it's just like this is what Christ has called us to do. That was the very first thing she said. It wasn't because I feel like it or anything like that. <coughs> this is what Christ has called us to do. And then there were the other words of wisdom that came spewing from her mouth, you know, about, you know, if I don't forgive him, how is that ever going to help me, and mm -hmm. things like that, or how, how can our community ever have peace if we don't mm -hmm. forgive, and just like this little oracle here, that's uh, 16 in front of me. Yeah. And maybe I could also add, in, um, we agreed in Uganda, the government first, because we looked at a trust that, has been that had been committed just too much, where do we begin from if we don't have to forgive? We felt the best way was just to forgive the rebel commanders. And so the government accepted to give amnesty to all the rebel commanders, including Joseph Cohn, although he has been indicted by the International Criminal Court. Five of them were indicted. And one is already at The Hague. Um, the government agreed to give them. All the other rebel commanders who have come back, they were given amnesty. They would choose if they want to join the mainstream of the government military, or they wanted to resettle on home. That was done. And then culturally, the cultural readers and the people in the communities that had been highly affected agreed um, on traditional justice system. Okay, We say, usually because years back, we had a traditional way of forgiving people. If there were two tribes that were worrying and people were lost, you know, the two tribes, the leaders on the other tribe and the leaders on this tribe would come together and discuss, what do we do? We just have to forgive so that we put a stop to this. Okay. And uh, there was a traditional way that it was done, how the perpetrator would be brought before the community and he asked forgiveness. And people would cry, say, you killed my son. And that has given us a loss that we can never, you know, ever cover it. 
but today I choose to forgive you and I let you go. And they will cry and cry, okay? We felt that helped in um, um, curbing uh, revenge, you know? Because if we revenge, if they continue revenge, then we're going to lose more and more people. Mm -hmm. That does not help. You know? So we still have that and we're waiting for the top rebel commanders and some of those who surrendered, that has already been done, is called Matoput, you know? And so it takes the traditional aspect of it, how they perform the rituals, and the person is then allowed to cross back to the community, you know, and yeah. So that is also in place. Hmm. Do they have trouble forgiving God for letting this happen? Yes, question. that's right, you know. Uh, but then we tell them, there are those who definitely say, but where was God when all this was happening to me, you know? But then we look at, uh, and that's why we include the aspect of gratitude, you know. They have to be grateful for every small thing. There are so many people who did not wake up last night, you know, but you're able to wake up. There are so many children who were kidnapped with you, but they never returned. There are so many, can we look for anything small to say, God, thank you? And when they begin to see it in that perspective, then they begin to appreciate, amid all the pain and all the trustees and abuse, there's something good that happened. And all the children will always tell you those who managed to escape or were rescued, they all know that it was just the grace of God that they survived. They know that pretty well. There are those small, small ones who escaped, and even the older ones say, like they're left in the jungles and the child doesn't know, where do I go to? He's been away from home seven, eight years. They don't know in which direction. They were kidnapped at the age of six. Maybe they are now 14. But they, they will tell you that they felt somebody speak to them and they believe it is the spirit of God, which is true. They say that they will hear, hear God instruct them, don't take that direction. Stop mm -hmm. there. Tonight you're going to sleep here. Mm -hmm. Don't cross, you know. Mm -hmm. Okay, turn this side. Do this. And they felt that, you know. They say that, would be, that guidance would be there because some children even take two weeks try to find their way home mm -hmm. if they escape. Or, and they come back. And all of them know it's just the grace of God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I and I think too, lamenting is so important in the process of forgiveness. Yeah, um, and we let them lament and cry, and because that's such an important part of healing. Are you gonna say something? Well, um, I hate to sum up. It's uh, mm -hmm. we have to get to church, but thank okay. you so much. I'm Mary Calls. I didn't mean to. I came in. I had a little trouble getting my son out of bed this morning, but <laughs> thank you so much for coming. <laughs> Um, and your message just speaks to the heart of, of what our class has been about, um, naming the hurt and, and telling your story and um, forgiving yourself and unconditional forgiveness as opposed to being tethered. I, I just it, thank you so much. That's been such a wonderful message, and we thank you for coming. Um, I'm going to um, just do a quick prayer, if that's okay. And yeah. we'll mm -hmm. okay. Dear God, we thank you so much uh, for the mission of Jane and um, Bethany and Matthew, and we thank you for them coming here today and sharing um, what um, their mission has been. Uh, we ask you to please um, renew and strengthen their hearts mm -hmm. and um, 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 help them to continue to show your love and Christ's love um, so that these kids can learn to forgive themselves and, and in so doing spread that forgiveness. Um, thank you, God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Thank you. So yeah, I appreciate it. That's right.